Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast, where we are exploring practical insight about racial justice and social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry, singer, songwriter, and author. And today we have a very special guest, Toby Kretz, is joining us from Little Justice Leaders. But before we jump into that conversation, just want to thank all of our Patreon supporters once again for helping make this show possible. You are part of our team and we're thankful for you. And if you're listening and you've been listening for a while, you're like, I love this show and I want for, you know, I want for Andre to keep creating stuff like this. You can totally be a part of our team and make this show happen. Music today is brought to you by me again. And what else am I supposed to be telling you? Oh yeah, we're counting down to the release of my book in March. How do I forget that from time to time? Yes, my book is coming out in March. All the white friends I couldn't keep, and we're doing this special season of the Hope and Heart Pills podcast countdown. And I'm so excited to have Shelby Chris from Little Justice Leaders with us today. We're going to talk to her about um, her organization. Is it what should we call it? I don't know. I don't know if that's the right terminology. We call it an organization. She's nodding her head right now. You can't see it. She's nodding her head, saying it's okay. So we're going to talk to her about her organization and her work and her passion um, to talk about social justice with uh, tiny humans. Shelby, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Andre. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so excited for your book. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, well, again, I've said it to you several times, but I really am excited to have you here as well. I don't even remember how I came across the work of Little Justice Leaders. I think it was probably on Instagram. And probably. Yeah, and I was like, I thought that this is just a really cool idea. Yeah, so we reached out, and I'm super excited to talk to you about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit, bit about what Little Justice Leaders is and what you do. Absolutely. So Little Justice Leaders is a subscription box for parents and educators of elementary school kids who want to break down social justice topics in a way that is kid-friendly and accessible for our little learners, so K through sixth graders. Mm. So how did this idea come about? What was the journey like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in education for a long time now, and Mm -hmm. I um, was spending a lot of time in schools, talking to parents, talking to teachers. I actually worked as a um, school counselor for a while, and my one of my primary roles was connecting with parents. So I had a lot of time interfacing with parents, um, and also the the teachers in the school. And uh, something I was hearing over and over again was that they weren't sure how to talk to their kids about the issues of justice that were coming up in the news and in the media. And Mm. so then kind of the default response was, so I'm just not saying anything at all. This was, Mm. you know, kind of scary to me because we know kids are taking in so many messages from the media. It can be confusing. It can be scary. Um, And if they're not hearing anything about it from their teachers at school or from their family at home, um, then making sense of those complicated issues uh, can be really difficult. And it also sends Mm -hmm. a message that, you know, um, these are things we don't talk about. It makes it very taboo. Mm -hmm. But I also recognized educators and caregivers are busy and they can't be experts on every single topic of justice. There's a a tendency to be very uncomfortable talking about things that we don't have a lot of expertise around um, kind of Mm -hmm. naturally. So all of these ideas were kind of swirling around in my head and I was starting my um, PhD in education at UCLA and 
spending a lot of time learning about social justice education. And eventually I was like, huh, maybe we could do something about this, right? Maybe there's a way um, to provide some kind of curriculum or lesson planning, something like that, that could make this accessible um, and kid-friendly and age-appropriate for elementary school kids. And so that's kind of where the idea was born. Um, I I started thinking subscription because it was like, this is massive. There are so many issues of justice to cover. Um, This absolutely can't be a one-time thing. And we certainly would never want kids to think this is a one-time thing. This needs to be integrated into our lives on a regular basis. So that's when I thought, okay, maybe people would be interested in a subscription box. And I started putting it out there um, and definitely heard back that people were, were very interested. Were, were there any like moments along the way early on where you learned, you know, where you were learning like, okay, maybe you tried something It's like, uh, maybe that's not the best way to approach this. Absolutely. I'm learning all the time. And I think this is so important, especially in the field of, of social justice work. I don't know any mm-hmm. like activists or advocates who aren't consistently kind of looking back on things they were doing a year ago or five years ago and kind of cringing, right? Because we're yeah. always learning and growing and realizing, okay, that thing we did, um, we wouldn't do that again. <laughs> and here's why. Yeah. And I like to, you know, as much as we can also keep our subscribers and our community um, in the loop mm-hmm. on like, okay, you know, we talked about this this way a year ago, and now we're talking about it this way. And here's why, here's what we've learned and evolved, or here's the feedback we've gotten. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, we from the start, like one thing um, that I'm, you know, most proud of is that we've always worked with the community um, that we're learning about. So for example, Mm -hmm. if we're creating a box about um, indigenous folks, it's going to, the content creation is going to be led by indigenous folks. Um, Mm -hmm. If we're creating a box about disability justice, the content creation is going to be led by folks with disabilities. So for that reason, we've been, I won't say lucky, but you know, thoughtful in making sure that the content is up to date, it's, you know, relevant, it's the most important, um, Mm. you know, information and it's correct and all of those kinds of things. So luckily we haven't had too many kind of big mistakes, but of course we do make mistakes along the way um, and learn. And then on the flip side, like outside of like the actual topics themselves, um, there's so many things I've learned along the way. So for example, I started, when we started, it was just for um, caregivers and parents. And very quickly, I got so many messages from teachers and educators asking if there would be an educator version. Um, And I was like, wow, I work in education. And somehow I didn't even think about that at first. So then, you know, quickly we launched the educator version. So that kind of feedback has has been ongoing as well. Yeah. Wow. So I'm wondering, and I mean, maybe you may not have an answer for this, but I'm curious to know. Are there misconceptions that we have about having these conversations with with kids when it comes to social justice like that you you know that you feel like you've seen listen that's that's just not true you know and this is the actual truth to counter that Yes there are a few a few that come to mind that are super common I think a big one is that kids aren't going to get it right like it's it's mm-hmm. it's not understandable for their you know, small minds, that is so untrue. Um, They get things sometimes so much faster than adults do, right? So one example, um, one time I was talking to a little girl and she was four or five years old and she 
her younger sister, who was three, said that she wanted to like marry her sister someday, right? Mm. But the older sister says, we can't get married because we're both girls. <laughs> and so, you know, I, we're family. Right, right, of course. So I said, I said, you're you're right. You you can't get married because you're sisters. But actually, a girl can marry a girl. That would be okay. And mm -hmm. um, the little five year old said, Oh, okay. And then went back along. <laughs> And and that's it. Like they they get things. She so didn't have a lot to deconstruct around that. So. Right. It was just like she just like learned something new, and she was like, "Oh, okay, makes sense." Moving on. Um, and it just mm -hmm. it was so simple. And sometimes I think we overcomplicate things as adults mm -hmm. and think that you know the kids aren't going to get it, but truly, truly they <laughs> they do get it. Um, yeah. I think another big misconception we have when we're talking to kids is that. We have to know everything and have all the answers before we can ha have these conversations. And that's absolutely not true. Honestly, being vulnerable and admitting things that we don't know or that we're still learning will help make these conversations better. Um, so when a kid asks a really uncomfortable question and we're like, you know what? I don't know. Um, let's look this up and I, let's see if we can get perspectives of folks who have experienced that issue firsthand and learn from them together. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like that idea that we have to know everything before we start is just totally not true. Yeah. Wow. That is so interesting. I mean, I've said a lot and I've had conversations with people a lot who talk about like, well, what if we taught kids from, you know, grade school that like race is not a biological fact, you know, and so racism is kind of ridiculous, something that made up. Like we would have an entirely common, entirely different common sense. And so it's interesting to hear, you know, the story about like a five-year-old who has this, you know, idea and then just being like, no, I mean, actually you could do it this way. And then just be like, yeah, okay. Because that's how kind of kids relate to us as adults. Anyway, right. it's like, you're bigger, you've been here longer, you know, you tell me this is how the world is. Sure. I believe you. <laughs> Right. Well, and that's the beauty of, you know, educators and caregivers is they do believe you um, because mm -hmm. they have this inherent trust in you. So, you know, when they hear it from the news and the media, it's confusing. It's, you know, causing fear. It's this and that. But when it comes from you, it is like, OK, I trust you. I believe you. I'm understanding now. I get a lot of questions from parents um, uh, that listen to this podcast or follow my email list. And so this is partly why I was so excited to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you've mentioned this before, but like I'm listening to you talk about this this box. And I just wanted to like ask <laughs> just for clarity, parents can sign up to get this right to get to get this box. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. What's something that you wish more people would ask you about this project? That's a great question. <laughs> do I wish people would ask? I think uh, some people don't ask for like one tangible tips, like things they can implement right away for yeah. the parents and the educators. Um, mm -hmm. But also like what you were talking about before in terms of like introducing race and, you know, the biological basis or non-biological basis for race um, yeah. at a younger age. Like I think that's something interesting we could dig into yeah. as well. Well, I definitely want to ask you about the tangible things because parents are, this is like a big question. So I sent out a huge survey of my podcast listeners and email lists. What are your biggest questions around racial justice? And one of the biggest questions in the top three, how do I talk to my kids about this? You know, yes. um, 
I'm not a parent, so I don't I don't talk to kids. I know that you're not a parent either, but I also have not really even talked to my nieces and nephews about mm-hmm. this stuff. Because some of the misconceptions that you brought up are some that I've felt like I don't know how to talk about this and I don't know um, if they'll understand. And sometimes I think there's a part of our common sense that feels like we might ruin um, a child's innocence Mm -hmm. if we talk about, you know, racial injustice, all kind of stuff. So what kind of tangible um, advice, practical advice have you gleaned Um, as you've been doing this work about talking with uh, young people about this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a couple of things. To the point of not ruining their innocence, I think this is so important and it's a line we kind of have to walk. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's different for the issue you're talking about and then the child's own identity, right? So mm-hmm. if you're talking, for example, to a white seven-year-old about racial justice, to be frank, I don't think we should be too worried about that because, you know, if, if Black seven-year-olds have to deal with racism, then white seven-year-olds can have the capacity to learn about it. And that's mm. not going to, you know, I mean, crush their, their so-called innocence. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if we're talking to Black students or seven-year-olds about um, racial justice, then I think we should be more worried about that, right? Um, But of course, we know they're probably already starting to experience and have those those experiences. So talking about it can actually be empowering in some ways because it starts to help them make sense of their experiences rather than internalize you know, themselves as being problematic in some way. It's mm-hmm. it's putting the problematic um, kind of aspect of it out into the world, right? Rather than what, you know, kids might be taking in, is there something wrong with me? No, there's actually something wrong with the world, right? Yes. But balancing that out with, okay, now let's talk about, for example, um, transgender identities. And if you have cisgender identifying kids, um, then learning about, you know, transgender identities is, you know, an identity they don't identify with. Um, Whereas, you know, if it's racial injustice and they're Black, then they do identify with that. So balancing kind of um, learning about identities where they hold privilege and what that means, and then Mm -hmm. identities where they maybe don't hold privilege. And in that case, like empowering them to understand that they're not part of the problem. Um, And you know, make sense of the world in that way. So I do think it's like kind of a balance. How do you do that without putting too much responsibility on kids, right? Because what I what I hear is like, okay, now, all right, Billy, the world is a messed up place. And because you're white, the world's going to treat you nicer. So listen to me, Billy, look me in the eye. You have to change this. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, have to, you have to do something, Billy. <laughs> oh, yes. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that to the kids. Um, I think it's 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 kind of a balance, right? It's coming back to the balance. But I think part of it is, you know, um, just saying like, you know, when can you do something? You can do something if you see something that's not right, right? Can you mm-hmm. Can you speak up? You know, can you, you know, think about how ridiculous this is, right? If we've learned about, you know, from when we were younger, hopefully we started when we were younger, um, they learned about kind of, uh, you know, why skin tones are different and the realization that there's actually nothing different about us. So now you're learning about racism and it's not making any sense to you, um, which is exactly what we want it to do is not make Mm -hmm. sense to you when you learn about it, right? Um, And so now that you know this, you can go out in the world and be free and make friends with everyone and have no, you know, um, you know, prejudice and no, you know, different views and that kind of thing. So 
I think part of it is, you know, letting them know that their power is, can be just in how they treat people, right? They're seven. So, um, (laughs) you know, coming into a space and being really respectful and then also, you know, calling out a bully. And I think bullying is a Mm. really good um, kind of analogy that kids get, right? Like so many parents and and teachers will talk to their kids about, we don't want to be mean, right? We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Um, So, you know, we're always trying to be nice. So you can, can bring it to that, right? And to make it more understandable is that, okay, we, you know, treat all people with respect. If we see this happening, then, you know, we say something, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a much, it's like getting to the larger principle of this, right? Because in any of these specific forms of oppression, you know, you are talking about like this kind of like this of uh, these abuses of power, wielding power, dominating other people. And I right. guess any kid can relate to that if they've had anyone bigger than them, mm-hmm. you know, like act act like a bully towards them. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 And so I mean some other ideas for for parents and educators out there if you're kind of new to this work and slowly stepping into it. I think an easy way to get start with the work is through books, right? Like diversify Mm -hmm. your library um, and bring in books that um, not only feature diverse characters, those are great, definitely have those in there, but also um, that actually identify issues of justice and talk, you know, openly about them um, so that you can use those as kind of a jumping off point because through story is how a lot of, you know, kids can really make sense of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always ask people, you know, what keeps you engaged in the work? What keeps you showing up? Yeah. So for me, um, part of, you know, my motivation for starting this work was my niece and my nephews and looking at them, they're white and they hold a lot of privilege and wanting them to grow up with, you know, social awareness and awareness of justice a desire um, to make a positive impact in the world and, knowing that I want that for them and I want that for all of all of the kids right like all the kids I've been lucky to be an educator for but really you know every child because I do think that if more kids understand justice and can grow up with that understanding then what happens is you know they're not all going to grow up to be activists right they're going to become lawyers they're going to be doctors they're going to be leaders of religious institutions and leaders in business and they're going to make more ethical um, decisions they're going to truly value diversity and inclusion on a deeper level because they have learned about these things from the time they were a child and so yeah. what really keeps me going is thinking about like what would happen if a whole generation of kids is raised with like a deeply rooted sense of social justice and yeah. that, that's, that's that beautiful that's beautiful and hopefully we live in a world where we need less activists because People are going into all of these different professions in society with a common sense that right. says, you know, we all, you know, deserve to be treated with dignity. Exactly. Uh, Shelby, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for sharing about uh, your work. It's been a, a pleasure to meet you and an inspiration to hear about what you're up to. And yeah, hope to have you back sometime. Thank you so much, Andre. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. 
Also, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps us get into more ears and minds. You can find all the links in the show notes for today's guest, as well as Andre's newsletter, Patreon, and book. You can connect with Andre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheAndreHenry. That's all for this episode of the Hope and Hard Pills podcast. We'll see you next time.